This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Launchpad on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host this week, Rob Conybeer. I'm a founder and managing director at Shasta Ventures. So I'm really excited to welcome my next guest, AJ Gentile. He is the founder and CEO of Speedweed. AJ, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Rob. So I think I can guess from the name, but what is the elevator pitch for Speedweed? What, what, what is Speedweed and what is it about? Well, there are a million moving parts to answer that question, but the elevator pitch is it's, it's really pizza delivery, uh, but we're bringing marijuana to your door. That's really what it is. It's on-demand cannabis delivery. Okay. So on-demand cannabis delivery, is it an app? Do I download an app onto my phone or how do I actually contact the pizza store? You, um, you would do that through either through our website. Um, getting an app for, for purchasing cannabis through the app stores is challenging, so there is not one that they are now, um, and that's due to payment processing and, you know, because it's a Schedule 1 uh, federal, <laughs> federal drug. Um, ah, yeah. Our, right, that, that small tidbit. Um, but through our website or you can order over the phone uh, through our chat, chat system, through text or email. So where is it available today? Right now, we cover uh, most of Southern California, you know, in various models and tiers. Um, you know, we have our on-demand tier, which is essentially the Domino's Pizza for weed. Uh, you, you create a shopping cart, you check out, and within 30, 60, 90 minutes, there's someone at your door with a package. There's, um, there's also another model where we go direct to consumer for, uh, on behalf of brands. So that's a little bit more of a, of a brand purchase. That's not an on-demand purchase. That's more of a scheduled delivery. And then there's a third tier, which is kind of like an Amazon marketplace, which allows licensees, which would be legal cannabis companies, to put their products and services on our website. And then we serve as the fulfillment logistics arm of that business. So one thing I've, I've wondered, because I am not a smoker, but I completely support legalization. What, why do sometimes people say different phrases for what appear to be the same thing? Marijuana cannabis, pot, dope. Could you walk us through that? Um, well, you know, what's, what's your question? Well, what, do they all mean the same thing? They all mean the same thing. And, you know, when, when I grew up in this industry, so I've been in, in the cannabis industry over 10 years, and that makes, me, that makes me OG, if you don't mind a little street talk. I mean, it's a, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a weed program. Um, so, but, you know, I, I certainly don't want to portray that, that, you know, we were – we were certainly pioneers in the space, my partners and I, but there were folks who came before us who went to prison for doing what they're doing. Um, and you know, through the years, that, that nomenclature, that slang has changed. Um, when we grew up in the business, it was marijuana because it was medical marijuana. Cannabis was almost a, a scientific term that you would hear. Um, now, all of the, even in, down to the legislation language, marijuana has been changed to the word cannabis because the word marijuana was actually – part of the reefer madness craze and it was the it, it, it was actually a racial attack on his on hispanic americans because that was their slang so that was one of the ways you know the war on drugs and and kind of the scare tactics to scare people away from the of the plant was saying look this is what the hispanics use so we you know we can't have that 
Oh, interesting. So that's why when you see it referred to, people will say cannabis. You see it referred to as cannabis because marijuana does have that kind of it, – it, it's insulting a big uh, part of our population. Let's, so let's not do that. You know, We have enough to deal with in this industry with that, that kind of stuff. So I think one of the first questions people have with this type of business, especially being a person that comes from the venture capital perspective, is what is the status of the legality of what you're doing today? Um, that's a complicated question to answer. Right now, the industry is it's it's a it's a really a two edged sword. It's very difficult to make money here, and investors and businesses are losing a fortune. Um, and that's because the other edge of the sword is it's legal. But with legalization came regulation and taxes that are unbelievable. And uh, I, I don't want to go on on a, on a rant or a political discourse. I will if you if you'd like me to. Um, but I'm not a fan of the regulations. Um, so what, what what's happened here is while we have removed the threat of incarceration from our industry, which was which must was, be a relief. It was, and uh, and. I don't have whiskey in front of me to tell you some of the stories, but one of these days we can get to that. Um, but, yeah, it, it was very difficult always worrying about, about law enforcement early on. So then, so then that specter is listed, but in its place is, oh, by the way, you can't make any money if you do things legally. And Speedweed is the only fully legal delivery service in California that I'm aware of. There are no other legal ones. There is thousands of services, but none of them, none of them fully compliant like we are. And, so, and how does federal law weigh in on this? It, you know, it's it's always there, sort of as a, you know, a presence. Um, but California is a very unique state in that uh, the federal government is. It's very difficult for the federal government to get its arms around California. California is a huge economy. It is a political powerhouse, and unlike states on the East Coast where the the government is very federally centric, federal centric, DC centric, California is very local government centric. So the power, the political power here on the West Coast is really with city councilmen and folks that are in your neighborhood, as opposed to back east where I'm from, New York where the governor had the power or the president of the United States. So um, we've been very politically engaged in this movement, and uh, you know, we've met with and, and dined with Governor Gavin Newsom many, many times on this issue. And I asked him specifically, uh, you know, are we concerned about changes in administration and, and folks coming here to, you know, to kind of impinge on in our industry? And he's, the governor said he's not worried about that at all. You know, he said he has an easier time dealing with the federal government than he does dealing with the local governments. <laughs> government for a while, that makes sense. So when you when you look at what you're doing, when when did uh, when did this really happen? Where you said, okay, now's the time to build a business. And I think you've mentioned in the past that the company is a restartup. It's a restartup. Um, we got into cannabis accidentally. You know, like many good businesses. Yeah, I, you know, my advice to entrepreneurs is try everything. You know, forget the guys who tell you to focus on the one thing and try everything because you never know. McDonald's was an accident, Coca-Cola was an accident, Speedweed was an accident. Um, I owned a software company developing enterprise applications for government agencies um, for 20 years, and then in 2008 we had a global financial crisis and contractors weren't getting paid because because of the bailouts. So I had a million dollars in receivables, a five-person company, and we had no way to pay our bills. So we wound up selling receivables off. My business partner and brother, he's the cannabis guy. I'm not really a consumer of the product. He came out to L.A., and he wanted to get involved in dispensaries in the industry. So we took what little money we had, and we 
started growing pots and extracting it and creating edibles, and eventually we found a niche um, in delivery, and we applied the technologies that we used for building out logistics platforms for U.S. Congress and some big state houses. We used CRM, custom-developed CRM applications, and we sort of wrapped these traditional business practices and policies around this crazy industry, and it just kind of exploded um, beyond what we could have ever anticipated. So what what kind of scale are you at right now when you say that it's exploded? Um, you know, we're a little over 200,000 members, uh, which is which is pretty high. Um, you know, that's a sizable market share of the delivery business here in Southern California. Um, but, you know, we've been around a long time. And, uh, when, when, when Speedweed launched 2010, 2011, it was really sort of a mom-and-pop business, you know, a few drivers, a few offices, um, a, a, maybe a couple of thousand customers. But then we just sort of caught fire in the media, which was completely accidental. Um, it was just serendipity. HBO happened to be in the room when we were we were giving a pitch. And, uh, and next thing you know, we're on the cover of the New York Times. And then month over month, we're just 20% growth, 20% growth for 25 straight months. And next thing you know, we have a business that's that's going to you know do net over $10, $12 million on the year. Um, what happens there is through some political machinations that is a long story, our business gets shut down by L.A. City. Um, there's delivery services in the city. Um, the one legal one gets a lawsuit. The 400 services get a cease and desist letter. We were the big fish, so um, so the city needed a press release, and they got it. So we ended up selling the business to a group of investors in the industry, and uh, and we thought things were going to be fine, and they weren't. Those investors didn't have the money, which we learned is rather common, and sort of ran our business into the ground for about a year. And it took us another year and change to litigate and get our business back. And that leaves us about six, seven months ago where we relaunched the business. Um, so things are kind of gearing up. But we did just close $2.6 million in funding through a Canadian public company called Bahavi Jane. So uh, so we're optimistic again. Yeah. So what changed in that time frame that made it possible for you to do it again and not have issues with L.A.? Um, what really changed, that's a good question because because our business changed significantly. Um Prior to selling the business, we were an all-encompassing, um, what in the industry we call it fully vertical, which means we grew our own product, we packaged it, we sold it. Um, we were essentially a dispensary on wheels. We did everything ourselves. We carried other products as well. We also did things in-house. Um, after the shutdown and restart, we changed our model to be more of a logistics uh, software marketing company where we're really just a service provider. What we do is allow licensed dispensaries and brands to get their products into the hands of consumers and what we do is we facilitate the deliveries. So if you want a dispensary and you want to spin up a delivery service, you call us. We partner with you. Um, you become part of the Speedweed family, sort of like a Grubhub model, and uh, and we help you manage that part of your business. And then we take then we take fees for that. Well, I'd like to dig into that, but if you're just tuning in, I'm Rob Connybeer, and you're listening to Launchpad on Sirius XM's 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm on the Line right now with AJ Gentile. He is the founder and CEO of Speedweed. So AJ, what it sounds like you're describing is more of a marketplace model as opposed to a vertically integrated model. Yes, that's absolutely right. Um, and it was sort of born out of necessity. Because of the, the regulations and the taxes, it is mathematically impossible to earn money 
doing delivery fully legal. It truly is. Um, you, you can't do it. But what we can do is we can allow a dispensary to actually see a net net on their delivery by partnering with us because they offload a lot of overhead to our staff. So that's call center and product sourcing, marketing, managing the drivers on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute basis, hiring, training, recruiting, all of those things we do for them essentially as an outsourced operations company. And we just allow them to run their business and do what they do well, which is run their shop, and we do what we do well, which is run their delivery. That way we're able to kind of both stay in our lane, and then we're both able to see some margins where if we were doing it ourselves, you couldn't. Yeah, how how many dispensaries are on your platform now? Right now we've got 11 live. Uh, we've got 51 in the pipeline, and then a good deal more that are just that are just waiting. Um, for us, it was a function of funding. We just you know without. Oh, so it without... sounds like it's still early. I mean, despite oh, yeah. the sca- early scale you're talking about, and with 11 live, how does it split between them? Is there one that does the lion's share of the the sourcing, or is it pretty well distributed? You know, that's what we do is we try to find partners based on where there's a concentration, sort of a density of uh, of people, of population. So, we, so that's heat map, and we try to find partners in those areas. So you definitely have shops that are very, very busy, and then you have some shops that are not that busy at all. So in those cases, that that's that's where our expertise is useful because it will help you help you staff up, staff down, manage your marketing, and so forth, in order to keep your costs in line with what you're doing as far as sales. And what is the typical demographic of your customer on the consumer side? You know, industry-wide, it's what you'd expect is, you know, male, late 20s. With Speedweed, it's a little different. Um, we are, 40% of our consumer base is female. Uh, they tend to skew a little bit older, early 30s, tend to be higher net worth, more pro- professional women is what we see a lot of. You know, of course, we have the stoner dude, and we have those, and, and we're known for our celebrity clientele, and most folks are there. But overall, our 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 customers are just regular folks. You know, they're your neighbors. Uh, when you order with us, it's a, it's a different experience than maybe that you would expect. It's very professional. It's very compassionate. It's for, you know, it's very kind. Uh, so it's easy. You know, and that's that's what we want it to be. We don't want it to be this scary thing like you're buying you're buying reefer. It's you know, it's crazy. It's really not. It's as hard so, as buying a pizza. Yeah. So how many people call in? Uh, daily to order. The phone. Oh, call-in orders, you know, that's actually very infrequent these days. That was okay. more of an early days thing. People want to go online. They want to so use it's mostly phone. online. So maybe yep. walk us through the process. Somebody goes online. Do they go to speedweed.com? Yep, you can go to speedweed.com. The first thing you do is you create an account with us, which is an easy process. Uh, we just need to know who you are, what your phone number is, and if you're over 21. Um, we don't ask for any type of ID. We don't ask you to upload paperwork. We don't put you on any specific lists uh, that anyone's going to see, you know, besides our internal member list. Uh, the sign-up process takes a couple of minutes, uh, and then you can start shopping immediately. You build your shopping cart. We'll show you the products that are available in your area. And then depending on what you choose, we'll then send you a, a text link that you can track your driver on a map and see where your order is. You know, just like when you're ordering Instacart or Grubhub or Foodpan or one of these services, you know, you could schedule your delivery or you can ask for it ASAP and we'll show you that driver in real time. So I'm looking at your website right now and I'm curious, what are your best selling products? Um, best selling is is pre rolls. You know, pre pre rolled flour outperforms everything else combined. Uh, you know, we had a, like a celebration. We sold a one millionth pre-roll a couple of months ago. So okay, and forgive us. my forgive my ignorance. What is a pre-roll? A joint. Okay, gotcha. 
All right. That's, so it's ready to go. It's like buying a pack of cigarettes. You're just ready to right. go. No work required. Just just light it up. Yep. And and I think that's a part of the part of the draw, right? Is it's easy. We're a service back convenience. So where is this industry headed? I I live up in Washington State, and there's a place just down the street from me called Uncle Ike's that appears to be doing quite well, from what I can tell. But where where's the industry going? You have Colorado, Washington, California. What's where is it going? You know, the, the states that are very, very different in this industry. California is certainly the most populous state, has 25% of the world's cannabis compute consumers are within a five-mile radius of where I'm sitting here in L.A., um, but we are the least sophisticated market. So when you go to dispensaries, certainly in the in, in the Northwest, like, like Seattle shops, and you know, I go to Portland frequently, great shops there. Uh, Colorado, very professional shops. LA, not so much. You know, we're still we're still kind of getting out of that gray market and professionalizing. Uh, and we've got a ways to go. And you know, where the industry ultimately heads up, I, ends up. I you know, I think this is certainly as big, if not bigger, than the alcohol industry, and probably sooner than I would have thought a couple of years ago. Um, I see this being fully legal uh, nationally very, very soon. It's it's just it's the politically correct answer now. It's what everybody wants. Do you think it's and, federal uh, legislation that does that, or do you think it's state by state by state, and then it becomes overwhelming, and then you'd get federal regulation or federal approval? It's it's going it's probably going to have to start with the states to, in order to pressure the federal government. But this is, you know, this is now government agencies working together. The DEA and the FDA have to work on this. And remember, I worked in government, so I understand budget protection. And the DEA doesn't want to lay off agents, and the FDA doesn't want to, doesn't want to close their, you know, their some of their divisions. So we either need to cut those departments, and which I would, as a libertarian, I'd love to cut those, um, or we have to find something else for these fine folks to do, and to leave the cannabis industry alone. I think there's an appetite politically to do that. There's certainly an appetite popul- uh, you know, with the populace to do that. Now it's just a matter of getting the bureaucracy to, to kind of listen to the voters. And what states are next, do you think? You know, that, that's, that's a great question. We're seeing states come online that you would have never would have expected. You know, states, the, the traditional Bible Belt states, you know, we're going to at Arkansas and Alabama. I mean, I, I was in I was in uh, in Austin when when the Texas legislator voted for it. I, I, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, we saw Florida flip in one election cycle from 48 percent to 65. Um, so, you know, what states are next? The an- really answer is all of them. More states have this than don't. So the states that don't, they're in the minority now. So everybody's going to come on board. So it sounds like you're going to be under pressure to expand quickly, quite soon. We we have been, you know, we have been. We, we're up against deep pockets here. You know, we have a lot of industry collateral for being here so long. But I, you know, I can't outspend my competitors. You know, who are out there raising 140, 150 million dollars. You know, against value, <laughs> against value. You know, against no revenue. Um, so so we've closed a little funding now. We're going to go out and do another raise in November, hopefully close a little bit more. Um, if I can hit my KPIs between this raise and that, I think we'll be in good shape. But the market is kind of sputtering a bit, specifically the cannabis sector, specifically in the pubco sector. So I don't know what we're going to see in Q3, um, but hopefully the summer doldrums aren't so painful. And looking forward, what should people expect from Speedweed? Where are you headed? Um, you know, Speedweed wants to be the sort of the aggregator of, of, cons- of consumers in the industry. 
we want you to come to our site to find the best products and the best brands and also the best content about this industry, about about the, the people that are that are pushing it forward, about celebrities that are using these products. And it's about, you know, having fun. You know, our our, our members are it's sort of a family kind of atmosphere around here. And I think that's one of the reasons people keep coming back to us is, you know, these folks are our friends. So we we have a couple minutes left. And before you had mentioned a little bit of advice, try lots of things. And curious, what have you learned in your experience that you would advise aspiring entrepreneurs? You know, my biggest struggle as an entrepreneur is doing, trying to do everything myself. And uh, and so, you know, an entrepreneur, I would say, surround yourself with people who are good at things that you're not. And people who can do the things that you struggle with, whether it's tedious things or very technical things, work with talented, smart people. Give up the equity. <laughs> you'll, you know, you'll work fewer hours. You won't hate yourself as much. Work with lots of people. Try everything. Talk to everyone. Network every time you can, which I hate doing, but do it. You know, just surround yourself with people that you want to emulate. Yeah, and it's interesting. You talk about the people that are willing to try lots of things. It sounds like. You tried lots of things, but obviously, once you found something that worked, then you doubled down on it. We absolutely did. Uh, we, you know, we put everything we had into this business, and you know, our business is very well known, and so people think we're rolling in money over here. We're really not. We followed the rules the entire way, and while I could have been sitting on maybe thirty or forty million dollars cash, I, I didn't do that. Um, we paid our taxes, reinvested everything into the business, and a couple of times along the way, we nearly lost everything. And, uh, and that almost happened again if we didn't close a little bit of funding. And that's going to happen, and you have to be prepared for that. You have to be emotionally prepared. You have to be financially prepared that you're going to have that roller coaster. It's just the successes are the things that everybody hears. The failures are secret. Those are the ones we, we hold dear, but those are the lessons that are most important. Any other advice you have? Um, yeah, stay out of cannabis for five years or so. <laughs> Let them figure it out. There's no money here, gang. Yeah, no, it's funny. It is an interesting category where a lot of money has been flooding in. But I have to say, really, really appreciate your advice here, and I think other people do as well. So for people that want to keep up with you, where should they go? You go to speedweed.com. You can see you know links to our social media. We're active on social media. We're easy to find. Okay. And how about yourself? Are you on Twitter? Um, I have a Twitter account. I, I shy away from social media. Uh, you, okay. You know, I, have enough, I have enough insecurities without putting that in there. Well, I'm guessing with cannabis, that's probably a good idea anyways. But AJ, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.